Hey, Jess. Hey, Kat. Like, <laughs> I, say, I say, hi, Jess. <laughs> I don't know. How are you? I'm tired. How are you? <laughs> I'm also tired. <laughs> I guess, remember we did that one early podcast? This is probably one of the latest ones that we've done. It is. It's late night yeah. on a Wednesday. It's mid to late night for me, I guess, because I'm an hour behind. But yeah. No, it's late. It's... It's damn near bedtime for me, but same. <laughs> it's okay. Work, actual work. This is fun work, but actual work has been kind of hectic. So, you know, <laughs> time to podcast it up to get it all exactly. out. Exactly. I feel that. Exactly. I feel terrible because I haven't been able to work out in like three days, oh. and I feel so gross. But. I haven't gotten my Apple Watch notifications. I know. I, I'm normally a workout every day kind of person, but I have been slacking because I got a new job, so. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like a, well, I did get out of bed today. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Round of applause. Job. Here's a little treat. I give myself a gold sticker for that. <laughs> it's a little harder these days than you would think. Yeah. I get it. You gotta celebrate the little things. Right. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Anyways. 100%. 100. I don't know why I just said it like that. Oh. I don't know anybody that says that. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry. I liked it. Don't mind me. Anyways. We're in a, we're in a babbly mood, I guess, tonight. Um, so this should be a fun, fun one. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to... to... To talk about what we're talking about, because um, whatever it is, apparently I'm not going to like it. Yeah, so you're not going to like it because there's no closure. Oh my god, those are worse than a spooky. <laughs> <sighs> those, they just, they like linger, you know? Mm-hmm. Just something about it, it's just, you think about it for the rest of your life, because there's no closure. Yeah, so this, this is one that's going to be talked about forever because it already has been talked about forever um oh god this is the famous case the black dahlia aka elizabeth short I mean, I know the name. You know it. You'll, but you'll... all that comes to my face is Elizabeth Smart because I follow her on Instagram. Dude, the amount of times. <laughs> I follow her on Instagram too, but the amount of times in my my notes, I put Elizabeth Smart instead of Elizabeth Short was insane. I know I know this story. You do. You're going to get into it and I'm going to be like, I know this story. You do. If you don't know, I'm here to tell you who Elizabeth was. Okay. Okay. Elizabeth Short was born on July 29th, 1924 in Boston, Massachusetts. She was the third of five daughters born to Cleo Alvin Short Jr. and Phoebe May Sawyer, which I love the name Phoebe. (laughs) 
smelly cat, smelly cat. I mean, that's all it comes <laughs> yeah. Literally, friends are, yes, always, always. Um, so Cleo was a United States Navy sailor, and Phoebe was a housewife. Okay. After the Navy, Cleo had ended up getting a job built, building miniature golf courses until he ended up losing most of his money in the 1929 stock market crash. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. In ni- This gets wild, like, right off the bat. So, in 1930, his car was found abandoned on the Charlestown Bridge, and he was believed to have jumped into the Charles River. Oh, shit. Yeah. That went from <laughs> zero to a hundred. Real quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. With Cleo gone and now being left on her own to provide to provide for her family, Phoebe became a bookkeeper. At age 15, Elizabeth had lung surgery because of frequent asthma attacks and bron- bronchitis. Oh, that's terrible. After her surgery, doctors suggested that she relocate to somewhere with milder climate. So... No, I mean, I get it. Like, I shouldn't live in texas because my allergies are so bad (laughs) (laughs) like to reduce your symptoms and make your life easier just move exactly exactly um so instead of like moving somewhere else full-time phoebe would send elizabeth to some family friends in miami to spend the winters oh okay that's a good like yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, that's way easier than just uprooting your family and moving. Right, right, exactly. Um, Elizabeth ended up dropping out of high school during her sophomore year. And in 1942, a mere 12 years after Cleo presumably jumped off that bridge, Phoebe received a letter from Cleo, which stated that he was alive and started a new life in California. Oh my gosh, that's something out of, like, a Hallmark movie. Isn't it? That's terrible. It's, it's crappy. Like, Cleo's dude, not a good dude. Dude, it's Zach to death. And then, like, a decade later, he sends me, oh man, no. Dude, the trauma. Right. So, at age 18, Elizabeth decided to move to California to live with her dad. And she hadn't seen him since she was six years old. What? Okay. I mean, that kind of brings me to believe that, you know, she didn't really like living with her mom much. Go live with a stranger. I think just probably as a young girl growing up and thinking your dad is dead and then like, oh, he's alive in California. He's miraculously alive. Yeah. I mean, I would want to... Probably get to know my dad, too. That's fair. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So, she ended up moving in with her dad, but they would get into really heated arguments, which led to her moving out in January the following year. It was a very short stint that she lived with her dad. I feel like that's teenage girls and their dads. Yeah. Or their moms. Like, or whoever they're living with. any that's just teenage parental girls. unit, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're terrible. So now having to support herself, she took a job at the base exchange at Camp Cook and was living with a U.S. Army Air Force sergeant who was abusive towards her. She ended up moving to Santa Barbara on her own. So she broke up with dude and moved to Santa Barbara 
and then was arrested on September 23rd, 1943 for underage drinking at a bar. So she was what? 15? No, she was like 18. 18, 19. Oh, okay. 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 Sorry. It's late and math. You're good. <laughs> You're good. Um, so because she was underage, authorities sent her back to Massachusetts, but she ended up just going to Florida instead. Yeah, like what? I'm excited <laughs> to Massachusetts. Okay, thanks. That's Send her so back odd. to her mom. But then she was like, yeah, mm, no. Yeah, that's odd, but whatever. So while she was in Florida, she met and fell in love with a decorated Army Air Force officer named Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr. Wow. Wow. I'm surprised I got that out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Um,. He was deployed and then ended up surviving a plane crash in India. Oh, damn. While overseas recovering from his injuries, he wrote to Elizabeth asking him to marry her. Elizabeth replied yes, but Matthew tragically died in the second crash on August 10th, 1945. What in the hell are the odds that you survived one plane crash (laughs) and then die in another? Oh, but that's so sad. It's, I hate myself for laughing, but it's I really, mean, really sad. But, like, really, what are the fucking odds of that? Like, I know. They've got to be, like, he's got to be the unluckiest. Like, super lucky and then immediately unlucky. Yes. Damn. Yeah. And, like, poor Elizabeth is, like, just not landing anything. Like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Your choice of words there. Perfect. <laughs> I didn't even mean to be punny. Couldn't but land the husband. <laughs> she, no, but like she, she wasn't settled anywhere. Like she was no, just bopping yeah. around. Right. <laughs> she tried to land that plane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so fucked up. Okay. Guys, we're tired and it's nighttime. Right. <laughs> and this is what's happening. <laughs> okay. Um, so after he passed away, in the summer of 1946, Elizabeth moved to Los Angeles to visit her friend, Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Fickling, who she knew from Florida. Okay. He was stationed in Long Beach, California, and while in L.A., Elizabeth became a waitress while trying to land a role as an actress. Okay, I mean, whatever. Got nothing to lose. Yep. She was dating a man named Robert Red, was his nickname, Manly, who was a 25-year-old salesman who was married to someone else. (laughs) Okay, Okay, I mean, she's just doing the whole thing. (laughs) She's living her life. Yeah. Yeah. On January 9th, 1947, Elizabeth and Robert returned home from a trip to San Diego. He dropped her off at the Biltmore Hotel, which the Biltmore Hotel we should cover in an episode. Oh, okay. Um, so he dropped her off at the Biltmore in downtown LA where her sister was supposed to meet her as she was visiting from Boston. Elizabeth was seen by staff using the telephone in the lobby 
And then she was last seen alive at the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge a mere 600 meters away from the Biltmore. Oh, God. And then she vanishes. Dun, dun, dun. <sighs> okay. Okay. And so, like, her sister is what, I guess, like, the first person to notice, like, hey, like, mm-hmm. she's gone. Well. I mean, if they're going to hang out, like, I would assume that was yeah. her sister. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. I don't know. So, that was on January 9th that she was dropped okay. off. On the morning of January 15th. 1947. A woman was walking with her child in an L.A. neighborhood when she saw what looked like a broken mannequin in a vacant lot. No. Upon closer examination, she realized it was a young naked woman whose body had been cleanly cut in half. (gasps) And I'm going to give a trigger warning. Because, um, this is a little graphic. Oh, here goes Jess with the details. I am a detail girly. I give you everything. (laughs) Yes, you are. That's so true. Okay. So, the body was completely severed at the waist and drained of blood, meaning it looked super pale white, which is why the lady thought it was a mannequin. I was about to say, yeah, mannequin. Yep. It had also been washed clean... With gasoline, which I didn't know gasoline could clean things, but... Right. Gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. Um, So, the body had been washed clean by whoever killed her. Her face had been slashed from the corners of her mouth to her ears, creating a, quote, Glasgow smile. Why so serious smile? Mm Mm-hmm. She also had several cuts on her thigh and breasts where entire chunks had been sliced out. Oh, that gets me. That does not sit well. Okay. The lower half of her body was positioned a foot away from the upper, and her intestines had been placed and tucked under her butt. The corpse had been posed with her hands over her head, her elbows bent at right angles, and her legs spread apart. Okay, that's odd. Very specific. You know what I mean? Like odd. Like it's so specific. Yes. Like posed. Exactly. It was posed. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Medical examiners determined that she had been dead for about ten hours, meaning that her time of death is presumed to be between the evening of January fourteenth and the early morning hours of January January fifteenth. Damn. So, how do you know how, like, in proximity to the last place she was seen that she was found? Um, I think it was like a mile or two, it wasn't far, like, still in the same area, area. basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so near the body, detectives located a heel print on the ground amid tire tracks and a cement sack was also found nearby and that sack contained watery blood <laughs> ew yeah ew i definitely agree um is it the blood i guess that they ew i don't even want to finish my sentence yeah, no, but no. i think you know what i was about to say no. okay um an autopsy was performed on january 16th by frederick dubar his report stated that the woman was five foot five, weighed 115 pounds, had light brown eyes, brown hair, and badly decayed teeth. 
There were oh. ligature marks on her ankles, wrists, and neck, and an quote irregular laceration with superficial tissue loss on her right breast. The body had been completely cut in half by a technique called. <gasps> Give me a second. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Completely cut in half by a technique called hemicorporectomy. It makes Ew. sense because hemi means half, yeah. corp, yeah. corpse, rectomy. Makes okay. perfect sense. That was. Oh. That was a technique that was taught in, like, medical school in the 1930s. Okay, so that kind of even gives us, like, an idea of the age of the person that did this, mm-hmm. really. Or the kind of knowledge they would have. Yeah, I was about to say, or the profession, or, like, yes. schooling, at least. Yes. So, mm. the lower half of her body had been removed by transacting transecting the lumbar spine between the second and third vertebrae, thus severing the intestine at the duodenum. This is so specific. I know. This feels medical. Yeah. Well, I'm giving you the explanation. Right, yeah. Right. Um, So there was very little bruising along the incision line, which meant it was likely, like she was lightly cut after she died. Yeah. Which, I mean, better than when she was awake. Yeah. Could you imagine? Like, not necessarily tortured. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily not tortured, but... Correct. Um, Right. Okay. So, there was also a large laceration measuring four and a half inches in length that ran from the belly button downward. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I hate these details, Jess. uh, That's as far as... uh, No. There was a little bit, but it's not. <laughs> I mean, this is all just graphic. Um, so yeah. <clears throat> the lacerations on her face measured three inches on the right side and two and a half inches on the left side. Dang. Okay. Her skull was Dang. not fractured, but there was bruising on the front and right side of her scalp with slight bleeding on the right side consistent with blows to the head. But not enough to fracture her skull. Okay. Correct. The cause of death was hemorrhaging from the lacerations to her face and shock from the blows to her head and face. So it was all face stuff. Okay. Um, This is another trigger warning because rape is mentioned. Um, Nubar also noted that she may have been anally raped. Samples were taken from her body testing for sperm, but the results came back negative. So, did the negative test results mean that it didn't happen, or that they couldn't find a trace of it? They couldn't find a trace of it. So, the body was identified as Elizabeth's Elizabeth's after her fingerprints were sent to the FBI, and they connected her fingerprints to her arrest back in 1943. Oh, well. Yep. Can you imagine if if she didn't get arrested? Right, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, damn, I mean, at least she got arrested, I guess, or else... You know, who 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 knows what would come or not come of that then. Yeah, exactly. So following the identification of her body, reporters were the ones to break the news to Phoebe, Elizabeth's mother. And you want to know how they did this? 
It's oh, no. very messed up. Um, so they called... Poor Phoebe already? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So they called Phoebe and told her that her daughter won a beauty contest. What? Yeah. After prying for personal information from Phoebe, the reporters revealed that Elizabeth had been murdered. Oh my god, that's awful. Isn't that the worst thing? Like, I can't believe people would do this. Poor Phoebe. Yeah. I can't... Her poor family, but like, you know, like, learning that's how your kid was dead? Yeah. God. Insane. Um... So these reporters also said that they were going to pay for Phoebe's airfare and accommodations in L.A. to help with the police investigation, but they ended up keeping her far away from police and other reporters in order to keep the information they were getting from Phoebe to themselves. Okay. Yeah. And this paper that these Uh, reporters uh, were from The Examiner, which is a, a newspaper in L.A. back in the time. My gosh, that's all so messed up. Yep. Oh my gosh. So, as you can kind of see, um, the media went kind of off the walls with this murder. You think? Yeah. Like from um, the get. But not that's only so not only like that one newspaper, like all of them. Um, a <sighs> lot were falsifying information about details of the murder and even of Elizabeth. What? The media nicknamed her the Black Dahlia because when she was alive, she loved to wear black, which, like, same. (laughs) That's so bizarre. Like, and a stretch. Yeah, and so it was a mix of that, and at the time, there was a movie out called The Blue Dahlia. So they were just like, oh, she's a Black Dahlia. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. 1940s must have been wild, guys. Okay, yeah. Um, reporters described her as a quote adventurous who prowled Hollywood Boulevard okay again what a stretch (laughs) like just from the small amounts we know of her like yeah what a stretch and in the January 17th edition of the LA Times like literally two days after she was found the murder was deemed a sex fiend slaying. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like really sad. They literally took this and run. It's almost like they, I don't know. I just was like, they didn't have Hallmark movies to watch. Literally. So they had to make But the this news is up. like the most insane story ever. And it just keeps like getting weirder and weirder and weirder. On January 21st, 1947, someone called James Richardson, who was the editor of The Examiner, which is the paper that told Phoebe that her daughter was dead. Um, Mm -hmm. This person on the phone with James congratulated him on the newspaper's coverage of the murder. And then he claimed that he was Elizabeth's killer and told James to, quote, expect some souvenirs in the mail. Stop it. On. I mean, okay, but I guess by the way, like... It never happened. It was just a messed up person saying a messed up thing. No, dude. Just wait. Stop. On January 24th, a manila envelope that was addressed to the Los Angeles Examiner and other Los Angeles papers was found. The words on the envelope were cut and pasted from newspaper clippings that said, quote, Here is Dahlia's belongings, 
letter to follow. Oh my gosh. Inside the envelope was Elizabeth's birth certificate, business cards, photographs, names written on pieces of paper, and an address book with the name Mark Hansen embossed on the cover. Okay. Weird. Yeah. So the packet that was delivered was cleaned with gasoline like Elizabeth's body, which got police thinking that this was actually sent by her killer. Yeah, and I wonder if that was, like, let out to the public initially. I would assume no. Yeah, I don't think so. Right? Like, that would be a detail. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, because it was sent to the examiner, the newspaper that, like, leaks everything, like, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, okay. Um. <clears throat> so, though the envelope was clean, police were able to make out some partial fingerprints and sent them to the FBI for testing, but the prints were compromised in transit and couldn't be an- analyzed. What in the world? Like, the, um, I feel like the, this poor it, girl. It totally reminds me of series of unfortunate of a series of unfortunate events. Yes, that's what this reminds this me of. This poor girl, alive and totally dead. This like, series just of a series of unfortunate exactly. events. Exactly. Exactly. So, on March fourteenth. A suicide note was found tucked in a shoe in a pile of men's clothing by the ocean in Venice. The note said, quote, To whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I am too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that or this. Sorry, Mary. Like, Sorry, who? Like, sorry, Mary. So, so I don't know if that's, like, his wife or, like, uh, who's Mary? What he named her. Oh, right, who's Mary? Who, who's Mary? I should just title this, Who's Mary? <laughs> this is the name of the episode. Mary? Question mark? Are you there? <laughs> Are you there, God? <laughs> what the heck? And then they killed themselves, and so it's like, <gasps> this is bad. This is very bad. It's weird. Um, so the clothes found included a, a coat and pants made of blue herringbone tweed, a brown and white t-shirt, white underwear, tan socks, and tan moccasins size 8. The clothes gave no identity to the owner. Police deemed Mark Hansen a suspect as his pocketbook was found among the things in the manila envelope. Mark was a wealthy nightclub and theater owner and was friends with Elizabeth. Okay, so that's not far-fetched. They like, there's a couple of things that match up there. Right. A friend and roommate of Elizabeth's named Ann Toth told investigators that Hansen had been making sexual advances towards Elizabeth And she turned him down, which police thought could be potential motive. Right. I mean, if he was crazy enough. Yeah, but Hansen ended up being cleared as a suspect. I don't know how or why, but he was cleared. Gotcha. Okay, well. Okay, that is a piece of closure, but also, not sure I believe it, but like, okay. Yeah. 
Correct. Um, LAPD interviewed over 150 men in the following weeks. Damn. Manley, who had been one of the last people to see Elizabeth alive, was a suspect, but was ultimately cleared when he passed multiple polygraphs. Okay. Okay. That one I believe, then. Yeah. A man named Martin Lewis was also investigated as he was an acquaintance of Elizabeth's and whose name was also found in Hanson's pocketbook. But he had an alibi that he was in Portland for his father-in-law's funeral. Hmm. Okay. See, I still don't... The first one is still, to me, the most sus. Yeah. So, a total of 750 investigators from the LAPD worked on the case during its initial stages. Oh, wow. City Councilman Lloyd G. Davis posted a $10,000 reward which is now a hundred and thirty two thousand dollars today okay i mean that's a good reward is that like who would you say posted it, it was, lapd yeah uh oh. city councilman um he posted it for information leading to elizabeth's killer gotcha and this led to multiple people coming forward with false information <laughs> oh my gosh a series of unfortunate events Literally. Um, So on January 26th, another letter was found by the examiner, this time handwritten. It said, quote, here it is, turning in Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m. Had my fun at police, Black Dahlia Avenger. Black Dahlia Avenger. Okay, Marvel. I know, I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) Like, my eyes just rolled, like, okay. The letter named a location at which the supposed killer would turn himself in, but police waited there and dude never showed. Imagine that. Because that would be a fortunate Um, event. That would be. (laughs) And we can't have that in the story. Nope. At 1 p.m. that same day, they were supposed to, you know, meet the dude. The examiner received another cut and paste letter saying, quote, have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. Oh, okay. It was justified? Okay. How, sir? Right. We'll never know. I guess... God, I hate that. I hate it so much. I know. So all of this commotion with the case caused a media frenzy, obviously. Right. So many papers wanted the best story... Even if it wasn't true or relating to Elizabeth's murder. That's awful. For example, there were stories that came out saying that Elizabeth was tortured for hours prior to her death, which we know isn't true. Others involving her personal life went around, some claiming she was a lesbian because she denied sexual advances from Hanson. The, which is like, that pisses me off. Well, yeah, you're like, <laughs> what is it, defamation of the dead? Like, that's so yeah. messed up. The police tried to investigate that claim by going to local gay bars, but they didn't find anything, obviously. Like... Yeah, because it was not true. Yeah. Damn. The examiner ran front-page stories of the murder for 35 days after the discovery of her body. Oh, my God. Like a slow slow newsreel or something? Like, they didn't have anything better to talk about. 
Yeah. So they just... Well, they wanted to be, like, the upfront paper with the most information. Right. God. They wanted to be the tea. They wanted to be the tea? They wanted or to spill the, the tea. tea. Yeah. They wanted to spill the tea, even if it wasn't true. Right. Um, so... <clears throat> I probably, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but based on the cuts and dissection of Elizabeth's body, police thought that the murderer had been a surgeon, doctor, or someone with vast medical knowledge. Right. In mid-February 1947, LAPD served a warrant to University of Southern California's medical school, which was close to where her body was found. Background checks were run, but nothing came of it. Hmm. By spring of 1947, this had become a cold case with no leads. Sergeant Finnis Brown blamed the press for compromising the investigations through unverified reporting. Which, like, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. In September 1949, a grand jury convened to discuss inadequacies in the LAPD homicide unit based on their inability to solve numerous murders especially those of women and children. Damn. So, like, while I say that, like, we don't even know that that's not even true today. Yeah. But I think back then you could get away with a lot more. True. So I fully believe they were corrupt. Like, true. what the what the frick happened to the fingerprints? Like, how right. did they get messed up in transit? Right. Ugh, Jazz, I hate these. <laughs> I know. During the initial vi- investigation, police received 60 confessions, mostly made by men. Since then, since then, more than 500 people have confessed. Some Holy... people not even Yeah, some people not even having been born at the time the murder occurred. Oh my gosh, people are so twisted. <laughs> They're just dumb. Oh my gosh. Okay, so now I'm going to go into three possible killers. Okay. Okay. That we haven't talked about yet. Okay. Oh, we haven't talked about any of them? So my Mr. Number One isn't even in there? Okay. Correct. Okay, so first I'm going to talk about Leslie Dillon. He was a bellhop who was suspected by Pew Eatwell... In the 2017 book, Black Dahlia, Red Rose, Eatwell states that Elizabeth was murdered because she knew too much about his collaboration with Mark Hansen, Jeff Connors, and Finnis Brown, who was a corrupt cop, in robbing hotels. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a story. This author further suggests that she was killed at the Astor Motel, where the owners reported finding one of their rooms, quote, covered in blood and fecal matter on the morning of the murder. Oh. I see why that might... Right. Yeah. Like, okay. Yep. That brightened my eyebrows up a little bit because... Yep. Okay. Makes sense. Right. Makes sense. Um, number two, and this is one that I saw actually on TV. I saw an interview with this dude's children. So the second 
guy is George Hodel. After George Hodel's death, his son, who is an LAPD homicide detective, accused his father of killing Elizabeth Short and other women. Oh. Prior, prior to the Dahlia case, he was suspected in the death of his secretary, Ruth Spaulding, and was accused of raping his own daughter. Oh, God. Okay. Hodel fled the country a lot and lived in the Philippines between 1950 and 1990. So he, I mean, he even, like, looks suspicious. Yeah. The fact that his son grew up to be a homicide detective, like, wow. Yeah. Hodel's son stated that his father was training to be a surgeon. Red flag. Yep. And in 2003... It was revealed that investigators had wiretapped his home and heard him say, quote, Supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out. Killed her. Maybe I did kill my secretary. And they just happened to have tapped this guy's phone to get that information. House. They tapped his house. Okay. Sus. So he was, he had to be a suspect. Absolutely. Because, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if his son had to do with them tapping into his house. I mean, obviously he had to, right? Like, that makes sense. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, I liked, okay, this is making me feel better. <laughs> so, the last one I'm going to talk about is, like, the least suspecting one. Okay. Um... His name is George Knowlton. In 1991, Janice Knowlton, who was 10 years old at the time of the murder, claimed that she witnessed her father beat Elizabeth to death with a claw hammer in the garage. She published a book titled Daddy Was the Black Dahlia Killer in 1995. Oh, wow. Okay. But the book was inconsistent with the facts of the case, according to Detective St. John. Well, and also, yeah, I mean, I mean, just from what you told me, it's, it's inconsistent, you know? Yeah. Dang. Okay. That's so weird. There are also, there are also theories out there that she was part of a few different, um, like murder rings. One being Cleveland Torso Murders, the Lipstick Murders, or the Lone Woman Murders. Which we can probably cover at some point, but I didn't want to go into detail right, because right. Th- I'd be here for hours. Right. What? Um, what? Okay, so that would like, I mean, yeah, no, it doesn't necessarily pan out, but like at the same time, what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, her murder is still a mystery, and because of how much time has passed, it's very unlikely to be solved. Damn. Okay, I don't like that. But I... I'm like, but we have two really good leads. I know. Okay. That's nuts. (laughs) This is nuts, Jess. I know. It's like a banana story, for sure. Right? A series of unfortunate events. (laughs) Literally, that is the subtitle. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that was, like, I mean, started strong with her dad, 
and then started strong. She bopped around, and then got arrested, and then was murdered, and then damn, and then blew up for all of the magazine and yeah, things. and it's still such a famous case, right? Damn, it's crazy. I really hope that someday someone knows something and comes forward and right. it's solved like but somebody's like I, dying breath is yeah but there's like no evidence anymore and like 500 plus people have admitted to doing it yeah damn like think about it it's it's been like what how many years 70 mm-hmm. yeah so, um, if you want to keep listening, you know where to find us. <laughs> if you want to email us, email us at sayinsidepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at sayinsidepodcast or follow us on X and <laughs> stay inside pod. The OG Twitter. We're OG Twitter people. It's so weird saying X. I don't like it. I don't like it. Sorry, Elon Musk. Whoa. okay so that's it and thanks for staying up late with us even though you aren't here yet but no kidding yeah okay thanks jess now i'm gonna go agonize over this yep me too okay okay bye okay bye